Thanks for joining us for this podcast. I invite you to visit our website, churchatwellington.com, where you can find more information. If you're in the Little Rock area, our church is located just off Chanel Parkway on Wellington Village Road. We would love to meet you and have you come to worship with us. Enjoy this message. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Great I am that I am. Hallelujah. What a joy. This is a joyful season. In the joyful season, we have a lot of people who are na- who are defeated and who are dejected and who are sad and who are in sorrow and a lot of people commit suicide during this time of the year because they just don't feel the joy but I'm glad we have that joy we can enjoy the joy that God has given us as we live in this beautiful life praise God amen let's sing a couple of Christmas courses if you would amen amen his name is called Emmanuel means God with us. Praise God. Will you join with me? Let's worship him. Amen. King of kings and Lord of lords. And we still have that privilege today to be able to be directed ourselves and to direct others to enjoy a great and wonderful friendship and relationship with a friend that's closer than a brother. His name is Jesus. Praise God. What a joy we have to worship him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come on. 
turn to your neighbor and say, Merry Christmas to you, and God bless you in this holy season. Amen. Amen. Going to get carried away up here now. <laughs> Amen. That's great. Praise God. Praise the Lord. We have a, a lot of sermons that's been preached, and I've preached a few myself on I am that I am, and taught, taught it in Bible studies, and given as, as illustrations throughout all of the ministry time of our lives, but it doesn't change the fact that he is, I am, that I am. And I'm grateful today to know that we have that I am factor in our relationship with God. We are blessed today to enjoy the awesomeness of who God is and uh, what he means to us and how he is able to work in our lives. Like the words in Acts 9, chapter verse 5, where Saul encountered him. And uh, in this encounter, he made a confession that he hadn't even acknowledged yet at this time. And when he, he saw, when Saul, and Saul said, who art thou? And then he put Lord in that statement. So he already knew who he was. He just didn't know the fullness of who he was dealing with. And that's how we are in our relationship with God. We know who he is, but sometimes we really don't know the fullness of who he really is. We know a limited amount. We know what we understand, but we know that he is a mightier than I, that he is greater than we are. And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest, and it is hard for thee to kick against the, the pricks or to resist the goad that is goading you and directing you into that place that you know you're supposed to be. So as we worship God and as we follow God, it's, it, we have times and moments in our lives and issues in our lives when we experience that level of resistance that we really don't want to go there. We really don't want to go there. We want to kind of keep it where we want it rather than where God wants our relationship with him. So in that word, he says, you know, it's hard when you're resisting. It's hard when you're resisting. It's not hard otherwise. You know, when you're in agreement, when you're flowing with, and when you're enjoying the benefits and, and, and able to experience all the bountifulness of God, then you're rejoicing as you go. But when you reach that place of resistance within your spirit toward what God is speaking and what God is doing, the way is rough. It's difficult. It's not easy. And the harder you, you try to do your thing rather than do what God wants you to do, the tougher and the rougher it gets. It doesn't get any better until there is something turning around in your life. You know, some God's word, you know, it's going to rub us one way. And, and I've had a statement that I've heard many times and used it myself where it said, you know, it's like petting a cat. You know, the Lord's only going to stroke you in one direction. And if it's the wrong direction in your life, then you just need to turn around and it'll be right. <laughs> so as we, as we experience that in our lives, we understand that God has a, a, a single purpose. He doesn't change his mind. Anything we do. All the things we can try to put together and contemplate, it doesn't change who God is and what God wants to do. It doesn't change his purpose and his will for us in our lives. The difficulties come when we 
our persistence, when we want to keep going in our direction, and God is saying, mm, not so. This is what I have in store and what I have planned for you, and this is how it's going to be. In our society today, there's a lot of different things that go on in our world, and you know, we, we have a, a great dependence upon what the scientists say about all aspects of our continent, of our world, of our involvement uh, or whatever. But I have a problem with somebody who doesn't even know how this got started as to how they think it's going to end. And they're thinking that this place is just going to get worse and worse until we're all going to be covered up with water or going to drive up and thirst to death, whatever. I mean, it started off with global warming, and then uh, all of a sudden it wasn't warming, and they said, well, it must be global cooling, and then they found out it wasn't really cooling either, so they just said global change, you know, <laughs> global change. So kind of fit whatever, whatever. So, you know, that's usually the way the scientists work it out is they kind of figure it all out and figure that's whatever, you know, and, and they get by with it. But when they don't understand that God created this, then they don't really understand what's going to happen to this. I mean, I'm not a, a scientist. Uh, you know, I don't. I don't have a. a, a, a in fact, I've never. Uh, I didn't even like science when I was going to school. I mean, not something I'm really crazy about. It's not my thing. You know, I'm sure it has its purpose and a lot of good things that scientists have done with medications and things like this. But when it comes to this earth. They don't understand how it started. They think that it kind of started off with a little piece of gra gra a granule of, uh, of gr earth or rock or something that just kind of spun and spun and spun until one day it became this great big ball that we're now living on. They don't understand the, the uh, way that God has created man. They think that we've just evolved from something. They don't really know what. But I'm glad that I'm simple-minded enough to know that God made man in his likeness and his image. It's easy to understand. I can enjoy that fact. I can know that this is what God did. This is how he did it. And he is the one who gets credit for it. He formed us. He created us. He made us like we are. And in this process, he is able to help us in our situations in life. As he encountered Paul, he knew that Paul was, was a person who could be committed, who would be committed. But the problem was he was committed to the wrong pur purpose. He was committed to the wrong thing. So as he was thinking about how he was committed, he said, you know, he's a guy that really can be committed. He just needs to have his direction turned, and he needs to be able to turn his life around to where he can be committed for the right thing. And that's exactly what happened with this day in Paul's life. As Paul was uh, on the road, and, and he met, encountered Jesus, and he looked at him, and he said, Master, which represents really a, as a teacher, he said, you're the Lord, you're the Lord, you're the one who is able. And the answer that God gave him is an answer that's standard to us all. He said, it's hard when you're trying to go the wrong direction. Wow. The important question. I believe that it is God's plan that everybody on the face of this earth should know who Jesus is. 
That is the divine call that God has put upon every Christian life. When we accept Jesus as our, our Savior and we make him Lord in our life, then we should want everybody to know who this Lord is in our life. There's no greater feeling than when you've experienced something real in your relationship with God that has caused you to help move another person to know God. The greatest joy of being a Christian is influencing somebody else to be a Christian. Besides your own experience of becoming one yourself, I should say, but in that relationship, you're building a world for God. You know, God didn't build this earth. He didn't create this universe. He didn't do the work that he did to establish such a beautiful place for us just to exist here for a while or for us not to enjoy it. But he did it for a purpose, and that was that we could inhabit it. That's what he said, go and inhabit it. And he made some ugly creatures that you, know, you really don't want to even have in your backyard. He said, you have dominion over them. <laughs> so he gave us that dominion. He, he gave us that authority. He gave us that place in our life. And he said, go and love one another. You know, build the kingdom, build the kingdom. Reach out. And in the New Testament, he took a new approach. He said, go and make disciples of all people. So we're in that process of of experiencing that place in God that God desired from the very beginning. You see, God put Adam and Eve in the garden, and they got all excited about whatever the serpent said and, and began to listen to what the devil said instead of what God said. And there are people who still do that, <laughs> but of course none of us ever have. I mean, <laughs> We've all been, been right in this place, you know, but God has given us that place that we are responsible to promote the kingdom everywhere we go and to be that part of that kingdom that we represent as a good example and as a person who is following him. Everybody ought to know who Jesus is. We used to sing that chorus, everybody ought to know, everybody ought to know, everybody ought to know who Jesus is, and sing the verse and courses and sing them along, you know. Don't remember them all, but I remember that part. And uh, well, what a, what a pro proclamation that God wants us to make in our world. It's, impo it's the important question, who is he? Who is he? It's what, Paul had a good vow. Who are you, Lord? <laughs> Who are you? He wasn't in a very good position to say a whole lot because he was laying on the ground. You know? He's kind of in a in a uh, humble place, but he was laying on the ground. And Jesus said, "I'm, I'm, I am, I am." That's another edition where he said, "I am." He said, I'm Jesus. Whom you persecute. I mean, he was he was busy killing Christians right and left. I mean, he was doing his job and he was good at it. But there was something on the inside of Paul that was not or Saul that was not fulfilled. And God knew that. Isn't it amazing how great God is and how much he knows and how how he helps and what he can do about it? He's He's a mighty God that gives us that strength to, to change things and to see our own lives change. And Sister Betty, this morning, I uh, was talking with her before Sunday school, and she was talking about yesterday she was sitting at the Walmart in the car, and her daughter or somebody was, went into Walmart, and 
she got to praying for somebody while she was sitting there taking the time and said, I got so fired up and so excited that all of a sudden the Holy Ghost hit me and said, said, I just began to weep and speak in tongues and worship God and just had a Holy Ghost time sitting there in the car on the parking lot, you know, <laughs> amen. And, and that's how it is, you know. I mean, when you're serving the Lord, you never know when you're going to have an encounter just like that. And that's what we need. What we need. I, a couple of Saturdays ago, we went down to Bearden, Arkansas, which is uh, down in, in Washington County. And then uh, my dad pastored a little church out at White Oak, and my sister's husband is from there. And they were having a Walthall family Christmas dinner, and they invited us to come. So Wanda and I drove down, and we went in there and had a great time of fellowship with the family that seems like our own family, really, and uh, just enjoyed it so much. And, and I, I, going in, I said, I want to drive in the old Bearden area where we used to go and go to the dime store and, you know, the places that were important to a, you know, five, six, seven-year-old, ten-year-old, whatever. And, I mean, you always want to go to the dime store. So, uh, went to town with Dad, and I, and I was wanted to go in the dime store, and he met somebody on the street right there on Highway 79 before they put the bypass around, and there's a red light. The only red light was right there, and uh, I'm standing out here, and, and, and all of a sudden, I don't know what this man's problem was, but uh, anyway, it ended up in a prayer meeting. Uh, they used the little ledge under the big picture window, the sore window, on the sidewalk there to, 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 to make an altar or a pulpit. I really don't know what they were using it for, but they were having church right there on the corner of Highway 79 or whatever, that's Penny Street, whatever it was, and went across there. And man, I mean, they were shouting and praising God and raising their hands, and I'm here looking around to see if anybody's coming by that might know me. <laughs> Pastor Joe never never had that problem, I know. <laughs> when you're a preacher's kid, you know, you just kind of like to be obscure. You know, you don't want to be out front with everybody in the whole world knowing you and knowing what's going on. But, I mean, they prayed and they shouted and, you know, there was no doubt in my mind that victory had come. Victory had been won. And there was a great celebration of this man's life right there on the corner of Highway 79 and whatever main street that was in Bearden, Arkansas. So they turned that place into church. Praise God. Didn't care. People stop at the light and just look over there, you know, traveling through on Highway 79, you know, and looking around. And, and they were really interested in what was going on. And some, some of them even forgot to go. When the light turned green, they were so caught up in what was happening beside the street there. But, but this is who Jesus is. He can, he can happen anywhere, anytime. He's not secluded to being in this building. He should be here, and he is here. But the important thing is he is everywhere we go. He's the same God in the morning, on your way to work, that he is here in this building this morning. He doesn't change. He's the same God, and he'll do the same thing there that he'll do here. Praise God. He'll wake you up. He'll stir you up. He'll move you to a place in him that only God can bring you to as a child of God. I'm not going to go too heavy on the I am, I am, I am. I mean, it's, it's all in there, and we've preached it before. But I just want you to understand that everything that he says he is, 
He is. And we sang the song about all the names that we use <coughs> with God. He is all of those. He's our peace. He's all of those. He's our provider. He's all of those. And all of that is encapsulated in him. We can say I am, or we can use any other word that refers to who he is, and he is the one. He is the one. And I like to look at it as the I, I am factor, you know. When you factor the I am into the things in your life, then all of a sudden your life becomes a whole lot greater and a whole lot better, and you begin to get along a whole lot easier. You go to bed with peace in your heart. You wake up in the morning with joy in your soul. You, know, you, you wake up with expectancy knowing that this is another day that God has made and he's gonna, I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it because he has a, an appointment with me today. You know, I don't know how I'm going to meet it. I don't know how he's going to make it announced, but I know that sometime through this day, we're going to have a time together and we're going to experience what he wants me to experience and he's going to counsel me by his word and by his spirit as I go through this day. Amen. I don't know how, I mean, how God works in your life. I'm, I'm not the master of telling you this is how God works in every life. I can't say that. I, I know how God works in my life. And, you know, I, I'm kind of, sometimes, you know, you, you say, no, this can't happen. Yesterday morning, I, during the morning, I was getting ready to go to the men's breakfast and I just, we had a great time, incidentally. I had a good day, and uh, thank you, Brother Cliff. Good good day. And uh, my shoulders were hurting, like, you know, like they do when you know that, you know, you've got this rotator thing hurting. And, uh, you know, <laughs> but you know, they were both hurting. At the same time, in the same place, you know, right right in the same same spot on both shoulders. And uh, I'm there said, God, you heal me. You've already healed this. Hmm? I said, you did this when, when Wanda was going through her surgery and all. I needed to be well, and, and, and I prayed, and you healed me. And Jesus, now the other one's hurting, and Lord, I'm not claiming it. I'm not accepting it. I'm, I'm not, a, I'm not, this is not going to happen because you have already taken care of this. Amen. Wow. You know, they're not hurting. <laughs> Praise God. I didn't run to the doctor. I didn't give the devil credit. I think sometimes we spend more time blaming the devil for us than we do God. <laughs> the devil is not my friend. I don't have a good relationship with the devil. I don't want to talk about him. I don't want to brag on how strong he is because he is nothing. <laughs> do you hear me? I mean, my God has more power in one little nerve in his little finger than the devil has in all of his kingdom. Amen. So when I'm facing the enemy, I'm not about to mock him up to be something he's not because I want to I give you a little secret. The devil has already been defeated by our Jesus. Huh? <laughs> You know what he said? 
Jesus said, if you'll just mention his name, that he had put how many? Thousands of demons to flight. Huh? You don't have to go around wimpishly saying, oh, bless him. It's so hard serving the Lord. No, it's not hard serving the Lord. It's a joy to serve Jesus. Amen. I mean, when you've got him in your heart and you've got his name imprinted and embedded in your mind and in your spirit, whoo, wow. Your victory, it's victory all the time. Praise God. It's victory. I enjoy the fact that I'm victorious in Jesus. You know, I'm, I don't claim to be the mighty tower of strength, no. but I do claim to serve the one who is the mighty tower of strength. Praise God. <laughs> wow. He hears us when we cry out his name. He hears us when we sing about him. He hears us when we pray to him. He hears us in every, every place in our life. And I want us to please be assured that you are never outside of his attention. Live it every day, every day, every day, every day. Say, God, I thank you for knowing me and for knowing who I am and where I am. You say, well, I've tried it. It didn't work. You let it, it will. You'll just keep on believing, keep on believing. Hey, I've been pulled through some tight knot holes in my lifetime, but God's always brought me through. And I didn't end up in the shape of that cutout place of that knot hole. I came out shaped up like God wanted me to be shaped up. Praise God. He's the one that's involved in this. Praise God. We have a crazy world that's mixed up, and you don't need to get mixed up with it. They believe stuff that is totally false and sinful in it's, all of its concept. I mean, how can you expect God to bless a nation and bring us unity and love when we kill our babies? You say, well, some babies just have to be killed, you know. Jesus said, thou shalt not kill. You say, well, what about the wars? Don't need to have wars either. Amen. We can live in peace. What if your mama hadn't loved you enough to bear you? How do you feel about that? I mean, we used to kill millions a year, and now we're killing like 600,000 a year, something like that, you know. Like that's really good. Hello. Ooh. Hear a cricket sound? I don't know why that's so quiet in the church. I mean, this is where we ought to be saying, yes, 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 amen, amen, amen. Huh? We shouldn't be killing unborn babies. They are fearfully and wonderfully 
made with a plan that God has for them. Who are you to take their life over and take charge of it and kill them and say, no, God, you can't do what you want to do with that baby. I'm going to kill it. You're going to answer to God. God can forgive you. You can repent, and God can forgive you. But you've got to realize that we can't think that way. God won't bless our nation. God won't bless our churches if we're soft on it. Somebody's got to take a stand. Not a birth control device. It's a life. It may have been conceived in sin, but it still belongs to God. Never forget it. And he holds us responsible for what we do with his reproduction process. The preacher, that's hard. Not near as hard as it's going to be when we stand before the judge. I'd rather find out now what I need to do than to wait until then when it's too late. There's not going to be an altar at the throne where you're judged. It's going to be a gavel. Depart or enter in. One of the two. You no, know, you can't repent then. You know, you, your life is over. What's happened has happened. And there's not going to be a time to holler and say, Oh, God, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You know, you had your opportunity and he beckoned you with his spirit. He sent nosy preachers like me who are old fogies to tell you that if you sin and you don't get it right and don't get forgiveness, you're going to answer for it before him. Amen. See, if I don't tell you that, then I'm standing as a party to your sin. And I'm saying, it's okay, don't worry about it. And you know what? He's going to hold me responsible. Because he's charged me to preach the truth. And he said do it in love. And the only reason I mention is because I do love you. If I didn't love you, I'd just pass it on by. But I do love you. I do care. I do want you to see the joy of heaven in your life. Let me complete what I'm doing here so we can go eat. Amen. Everybody ought to know. The important question is, who is he? Some think he's insignificant. Some think he's not worth even listening to. Just ignore him. That won't work because you can't do that because he is. He is. Secondly, he said, I want you to understand that you have to believe him. Believe in him. And I'm not going to. Uh, you go back to Exodus, the third chapter, verses 13b through 17, it talks about uh, Moses speaking to Israel about the I am and telling them what his name is. God said, go tell them, tell them who sent you, tell them I am. Believe him. Believe him. Believe him. And the third point, I'll quickly come to a close. In the book of Luke chapter 1, verse 31, the angel said his name, said to, to Mary, said his name shall be called Jesus. Now, Jesus is the I am. 
Jesus is the Jehovah. Jireh. He is Jehovah. He is Yahweh. He, he is who he is. So we'll not go further into that, but let's go on to the second chapter of Luke, verse 21. And then it says, his name was called Emmanuel. First chapter, he shall. His name shall be called. In the second chapter, his name was called Jesus. 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 He hasn't changed his name. He's still Jesus. Saul, in his relationship with Jesus on the road to, to Damascus, he, he was speaking, and, and he knew who he was, and, and Jesus knew who Saul was. So they knew each other through a divine revelation and an awareness of what was going on in the society of that age, and they had an encounter, and they spoke to each other. And if God can ever get our attention, he will speak to us. <laughs> He will tell us something. You hear me? He will pronounce himself as Jesus, as the Son of God. And we will know who he is even before he tells us because we will be aware of who he is, just like Saul was on the road. The Lord. He knew who he was. The whole world knows who he is, but they don't know him. They know who he is, but they don't know him. There's a lot of people who are Christians who knows, I say Christians, call themselves Christians, who know who he is, but they don't really know him. Let me tell you something. When you really know him, you have a reverence of him that is moving in your life every day. When you know his presence is there, you feel that presence, you feel that anointing, and you know he is present. You know him. Praise God. So we need that relationship where we really know him. He can be that I am, that I am in every situation that you have, or you, he can just be Jesus. It's all the same. That's who he is. Hallelujah. That's who he is. You have to be the one who's willing to hear him when he says, go tell it. <laughs> go tell it. Go and tell everybody. I mean, that's his commission to us. You know, don't miss anybody. Tell everybody. Amen. I have a friend who's a good Mormon guy. You know, he raised Baptist and never went to church much except on, you know, the, the holidays of holy holidays. <laughs> anyway, uh, and he, he, he keeps trying to say, you know, so I said, the Assembly of God and, and the Latter-day Saints, they said, we're, we're, we're a whole lot alike. <laughs> I said, nah, uh, you're my friend, but nah, our churches are quite different, you know. And they, they've, they use the word, you know, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. But I want you to understand, they don't talk about the same kind of Jesus Christ relationship as we talk about. They've got another book that they follow. It's not the Bible. It's the Book of Mormon. <laughs> and I can't follow another book. The Assemblies of God, you know, some people have tried to write, rewrite the Bible, the Assembly of God, I think, but, you know, I've never followed them. I've always stayed with the Bible, 
the Word of God that is real, that is quick, that is powerful, that God gave us through the, through the period of time. You say, well, it's some translation, that, you know, 17 translations down the line or whatever. Well, you, you can still go and do a word search, and you can still find the real meanings of the words that, that are used there. And, and I'm just going to stick with this. It's the best I got. And I'm going to enjoy it because I don't have to wonder, uh, what does that word really mean? Is it changed? I mean, I've learned a lot of these words in my growing up years, and I understand them, and I see what they mean, and, and, and it lines up with who God is, and, and I'm going to stay on that track. <laughs> Amen? Because He is the one. And before I can proclaim Him, I've got to claim Him. And we've got to proclaim him if we're going to be Christians. So you have to claim him. Not who I want him to be, but who he is. Not who I think he ought to be, but who he is. <laughs> proclaim him. He is the Savior of the world. <laughs> he is the healer of every manner of disease. He is the deliverer from all forces of evil that comes against you, however supernatural they may be. He is that mighty deliverer. He is the one who comes uh, an assignment by the Father to be that f force upon the earth through the power of his Spirit. And he says, I want you to know that you should proclaim this to every person. Peter was asked the question in Matthew chapter 16 where he said, who, who, who do you say I am? And it took him three times to get consecrated enough to give him the right answer. <laughs> we need that question pointed right straight at our own hearts and our own minds. Who do we say he is? You know, he is a mighty God who stands in great majesty with great authority, with great power. Amen. And you know what? When I'm in his presence, I'm not standing around saying, you know, acting like it's nothing. I mean, I'm trembling in my heart and in my spirit because of his awesomeness. Amen. I remember when I was about 13, 14, Elvis Presley was the big name in music, you know, and of course we didn't get to listen to him, but, uh, you know, I had a shop class in, in the shop in the grade I was in, and, and they helped us make a crystal radio. Anybody ever make a crystal radio? And, uh, you know, it didn't have any battery or all you could listen to was earphones that you could hook up to it. And, uh, uh, and it wouldn't reach very far. The local station, we were living in Millington, Tennessee, and Memphis was 15 miles away. So I'd hook up me an antenna on the screen in the bedroom. We didn't have air conditioning, so I'd lay there and hook up my antenna on the window screen, and, and I could hear uh, WMPS. <laughs> yeah. And I'd hear Elvis singing, you know. And one day I got the opportunity to go down to Memphis, and, and they said, we're going to go in, uh, and to, to, the, to the mansion down there and, and uh, uh, see Elvis. We're going to stand out on the street and, Hope Elvis will come by, come out or something or stand outside and and everybody would you know stand there and stand there and then when they thought they would see Elvis they go ah! screaming and yelling you know like oh look at here you know and it's oh that wasn't him that was somebody else you know <laughs> after wait another hour hoping Elvis would show up you know but you know people are crazy <laughs> I wasn't that crazy 
People were crazy because of his majesty. When Jesus walks into our lives, how do we feel? Do we say, oh, well? No. It brings an awesome awareness, and it causes an emotion that's not like any other emotion. And you realize that God is in this place in your life. And it's causing an emotion. That's the kind of God we serve. He's powerful. He's able to do all things. Nothing is impossible. When you figure the I am factor into your life, it begins to make a difference. You see, some seek him for the wrong reasons. One day in the 18th chapter of John, there was a group of soldiers that came to a garden where he was. He had already, been, he had already received the kiss of betrayal. And Jesus looked at the soldiers and said, Whom seek ye? And they said, Jesus. And he said, I am he. You know what happened when that moment was consummated? They fell backwards to the ground. That's how awesome Jesus is. Do you see why he deserves such respect? Such honor, such regard that it would cause us to tremble if we really knew how powerful he really was. So when we're talking being Christian, when we're talking Jesus, when we're talking God, it's not a light subject. It's a powerful, the most powerful thing you will ever feel in your life is Jesus. He's real. Hallelujah. He's real. He's real. Amen. I've got one line here. There's much more to Jesus than just knowing his name. Back a few years ago, let me find a little sheet here. We used to sing this song, sung by a great, or written by a great author by Eddie James. And he said, I am the Lord, I'm the Almighty God. I'm the one for whom nothing is too hard. I'm the shepherd and I'm the door. I'm the good news to the bound and the poor. I am, I am, I am, I am. I'm the righteous one and I'm the lamb. I'm the ram in the bush for Abraham. I am the ultimate sacrifice for sin. I'm your redeemer, the beginning and the end. I am. I am. I'm Jehovah. I'm the king. I am Messiah, David's offspring. I'm your high priest, and 
I'm the Christ. I'm the resurrection. And I am the light. I am. I am. I am the bread and I am the wine. I am your future. So leave your past behind. I am the one in the midst of two or three. I, I am your tabernacle. I am your jubilee. I am. I am. I'm hope. I'm peace. I'm joy. I'm rest. I am your comfort and relief from your stress. I am strength. I am faith. I am love. I am power. I am your freedom this very hour. You're my hope. You're my peace. You're my joy. You're my rest. You are my comfort, your relief from my stress. You're my strength. You're my faith. You're my love. You're my power. You are my freedom this very hour. That's who he is. That's who he is. Father God, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for this season where we so honor you as our Savior, as our Lord. Lord, you're more than the babe that was born in Bethlehem. You're the King of kings and Lord of lords. You're the mighty God. You're the one who knows every detail about each one of us on the face of this earth. There is nothing hidden from you. You know it all. And God, today we come to bring ourselves before you in this Christmas season and say thank you for being born. Thank you for living and dying and being resurrected. Thank you for walking among us and for your Holy Spirit that you have sent to be with us, to guide and direct us, to lead us to that pathway that takes us home to be with you forevermore and helps us along the way when we struggle, helps us along the way when we pray, you hear us. And Lord, I thank you this day, but because you're our mighty king and you're the great I am that I am that's factored into our life since the day we were covered with your blood and we were redeemed by the power of your redemption. Thank you, Jesus, that we can stand with you and be one of the redeemed right now on this earth. And also, when we stand before you and stand before God, we can stand there as the redeemed of the Lord. Hallelujah. Can you say amen, amen, and amen? Praise God. Give the Lord a clap offering of praise. He deserves it this morning. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Amen. He's on your side. He's for you. He'll help you. And you will win. Amen. You will win. When he has his way, you always win. We all do. Praise God. Stand together. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you would like to support our church or ministries, visit our website, churchatwellington.com. Click on the Donate tab and select the method that works best for you. Again, thanks for listening.